What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And we are back with the preview of Toledo. Uh, they come into this one, Rod, 6-1 and one overall. The only loss they had was to Oakland. Um, and they've got wins over Valpo, UAD, Charlotte, Tulane uh, were some of them. Um, and they're 124th overall in Ken Palm, 48 on offense, 249 on defense. And, um, Rod, this is – you know, the, you, you'd mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago or so that it seemed like whether it was COVID-related or just, uh, you know, it, they're just trending in a different direction. But it seems like a lot of the Savannah State's Houston Baptist-type games have kind of gone away, and now it's mostly regional. Um, but, like, Toledo is not a Houston Baptist, <laughs> you know, or, or they're – quite a bit better than those type of teams that are routinely like down in the three, like high 300, you know, three twenties or so. This is, this is a team that's actually a pretty solid program, usually toward the top of their uh, conference most years. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Todd Kowalczyk has been there a long time, 12 years. He's never taken them to the NCAA tournament, but in a one bid league, which the Mac almost always is, that's that's not necessarily a, a huge sin. He's got a 58% winning percentage overall, 57% in conference play. So he's been, and I think I looked at it, heading into this year in his first 11 years, six times they've been better than 500. And I know there was one year where they were exactly 500. So um, that means only four times has he been sub 500 in the Mac. So, yeah, they, Toledo has been a solid program, not a spectacular. And that's had some really good ones. You, know, you think back to the uh, Bobby Hurley, Nate Oates period where they had Buffalo really humming. And Buffalo's really mm-hmm. good again this year, by the way. But, um, you know, those were exceptional teams. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not on that level, but they're, they've been a solid program. And you're right about how this conference has gone for Michigan State. I saw somewhere today, and I'm not sure whether this was based on Ken Palm numbers. It, it almost must be. Uh, something said Michigan State has a 13th rated strength of schedule in the country so far. And we've had, we know, MS, anyone who follows MSU knows that Michigan State plays as many serious programs as anyone in the country does, right, on a yeah. year-in, year-out basis. That's never an issue. But for strength of schedule purposes, it also can matter who those other teams are. And you mentioned the Houston Baptists of the world. They're not really on the schedule. You look at what MSU has left you know, what they, and what they've played so far. So they had Western and Eastern, neither of whom is a great team. Um, but then you had uh, Champions Classic. You had Butler, who whatever they are is a Big East program, you know, and you, and you played them on the road. The three games 
in the Bahamas, and then Louisville. Michigan State's got this one. They've got uh, Oakland, who has been very good. I haven't looked to see where Oakland is in Ken Palm, but I've got to believe they're top 100 because they've had a tremendous start to their season. In fact, they're the only team that's beaten this Toledo bunch so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they've got High Point, which will be the one game that kind of falls into your, you know, Houston Baptist kind of category, I suspect. Yeah. So it it has not been – that's the thing. We Just to go revisit what we talked about last night uh, after Louisville, you know, Michigan State, I do believe, is set up to go on – a nice run here as we go through December and get into January. But these are not all soft touch games either. Yeah. I mean, the games are Michigan. Michigan state's got to do a lot of things well to beat Toledo. It's I'm not trying to pump Toledo up into something they're not, but look, they're six and one. They're 124th, as you said, in Ken Palm overall. So, you know, that would make them equivalent to if you took that literally, and again, I don't want to put too much on the Ken Palm numbers right now. Uh, by the end of this month, I think they'll be a little more valid. But let's just take it on face value. That would mean this is uh, comparable to where some of the bottom end Big Ten teams tend to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like Nebraska last year, somebody or Northwestern, somebody like that. Well, those are games you feel like, yeah, you damn well ought to win, especially at home. But there are also games where you would say, hey, if we come out and play a C-minus game and they're just clicking, you could have problems. Mm-hmm. Right? So Michigan State's got to do some things well to win it. Um, looking a little more at Toledo, uh, the wins they've got are not bad. They beat Valpo. University of Detroit, and then Charlotte and Tulane. So that's a couple of, I believe both those schools are in Conference USA, if I remember correctly. That's a couple of nice wins. And as I said, the only loss was to Oakland. And Oakland handled them. That was a double-digit loss, which I think says more about how good Oakland may be than, than Toledo. I think Oakland's very good, and, and that's going to be a test when MSU faces them. But uh, getting back to these guys, you mentioned there's a big dichotomy with Toledo. Pretty damn good on offense, pretty damn bad on defense. Uh, offensively, there's not any one thing they do spectacularly well, but they're good in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Offensive rebounding, which is interesting to me because they've got next to no size. I mean, they've got two guys six seven in their starting lineup, and that's really it for size that they play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're still at 35%, their offensive rebounding rate, which is good for 42nd in the country. That's that's a good number. And everybody in their starting lineup rebounds. Like they all do. The guards are all four-plus rebounds a game, which is, I guess, what you got to do when you're small. Um, they're number 74 in turnover percentage. So they're not spectacular, but they're also not going out and beating themselves most nights, right? Yeah. Um, Mediocre shooting team, 33% from deep. As a point of comparison, MSU is now up to 35 after last night, um, 49% from two. They do shoot free throws well when they get there a fair amount. They're 54th in the country in free throws as an overall percentage of their scoring. So they're getting there a lot. They're hitting almost 77% when they do get to the line. So 
again, there's nothing you look at and think, wow, you know, they're not they're not coming in like say Loyola was coming into that game where their three point shooting and shooting overall was just off the charts good. Mm-hmm. And you're worried about that. Toledo doesn't have anything that stands out that way, but they're solid. Yeah. Um defensively it's a much worse picture. They're getting killed inside the arc. They're surrendering uh field goal percentage of 57.3% on twos. That puts them 335th in the country. Uh, if you're not aware of how many teams there are in Division One, suffice it to say, there's not very many teams that are worse than that. And again, maybe that shouldn't be surprising because they just don't have any size. So there's mm-hmm. zero rim protection. I mean, none. Um, and, you know, you should be able... That means... If if the guards maybe aren't so good at dribble containment, which I don't think they've proven to be, and they can't really effectively stop post-ups, well, that that's two ways you're able to score pretty efficiently at the rim, either in penetration or posting people up. And I think teams have had some success in both areas against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also don't steal the ball much, so this is just not a disruptive defense. Uh the only things they do decently here is they're not a terrible defensive rebounding team. They're 93rd in the country. Not spectacular, but, you know, that's a number you can you can live with. Um, and they don't foul very much. But if you're, if you're getting shots off and they're coming inside the arc, you're having a lot of success against Toledo, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so the – you look at the starters, Ryan Rollins, 6'4", sophomore from Macomb, Dakota, uh, and he's just exploded this year following a, a good freshman season. 21.3 points a game, 47 from the floor, 33 from three, and 82 from the line. And he's grabbing 4.7 rebounds a game, averaging three assists. Yeah, the only major issue for him has been turnovers. He's got 17 of them, so that's just shy of um, three per game. Uh, Ryan Rollins is a Michigan kid, as you mentioned. I, I talked about him a little bit at the end of last night's podcast from Macomb, Dakota. Uh, he played for the family A's, so I've actually seen him play a fair amount. And he was on, he was part of the team that won the Peach Jam as a 15 and under group. So that team had, um, Jalen Terry, who's now at DePaul after starting at Oregon and originally committing to MSU. Ernie Sanders, who's a football player at Kentucky, was a great athlete. Malik Carr, who's a football player at Michigan State, but was a great oh, wow. athlete. Um, trying to think who else I'm missing. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, who had a really nice freshman year at Kentucky and is now in the NBA. But, you know, Ryan Rollins was kind of a bit part guy on that team. He played, he was in their rotation. But he wasn't really um, any kind of focal point. And if you had told me that by his sophomore season, out of all the guys they had on that team, oh, oh, Scooby Johnson was on that team. Oh, wow. Was it Butler? And I'm not sure where his situation is because of legal problems. So there were a lot of really good basketball players, and Ryan Rollins was not a standout on that team. If you had told me back then, or even when they were playing 17 and under as recently as that, that by his sophomore year in college, Ryan Rollins would have had, at worst, the second-best career. 
of everybody on that roster. I, I, I wouldn't have believed it, but here we are. Um, I would say this. I have no idea what his situation is, um, but this kind of has the look to me, perhaps, of a guy that would be a hell of a transfer-up candidate next year into the high major ranks. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I'm, that's, I'm speculating solely based on the fact that he's having this much success in the MAC as a sophomore, and you like his size at six four. Uh, he's not any kind of real point guard. I think that the turnover numbers spell that out. But if anything, you know, he's shooting thirty three percent from three. My sense is that he was a little better shooter than that would suggest. So he may have another gear there available to him. But really good player having a really good year. And he's the one Michigan kid on this roster. So he's the guy that you maybe, I think I mentioned this a little bit last night, he's the guy maybe you worry about. Not that he's got, he doesn't have any teammates on MSU. They don't have any guys he played with. Uh, but they certainly have guys who were in the family's AAU program, and I'm, I'm positive he knows a lot of their the MSU kids. And so that oftentimes stokes motivation in these guys, and he's already a really good player. So mm-hmm. definitely a guy to watch for. Uh, and then Ray J. Dennis, is that how you said it? Ray J.? Or I would say Raj. Mm-hmm. Raj? Uh, I didn't double-check it. <laughs> Raj Denise, maybe? Yeah. Uh, 6'2", junior transfer point guard from uh, Boise State. Uh, he's averaging 11.2 points a game, 41, 18, and 83 from the line. Yeah, and he, he also leads him in assists at almost four per game, though, again, he's averaging three turnovers as uh, per game as well. Also grabs 5.5 rebounds a game, and Rollins gets 4.7, as I mentioned. Everybody rebounds on this team. Dennis is the point guard. You know, obviously, you're concerned about two things. The three-point shooting is abysmal, and the turnovers would bother you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, again, another another guy. And, and something we'll, we'll touch on again when we get to the keys. This team really doesn't play their bench very much. All five <laughs> are 30-plus minute-a-night guys. Yeah, so, three fifty. I saw that three fifty three out of three fifty eight teams. <laughs> yeah, in in starter minutes. Yeah, know? yeah. Bench minutes. Uh, yeah, and so all these guys I'm mentioning, short of injury or foul trouble, you're going to see them out there the whole game, pretty yeah. much. Uh, and then Raheem Moss, six four redshirt freshman, averaging six point two points a game, uh, forty one uh, from the floor. He's only taken eight three-pointers, but he's missed all of them, 79 from the line. But he's also chipping in with rebounds, 4.8. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously that's kind of a tough spot to have a wing who hasn't been able to hit a three yet. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a younger player, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But another guy who's working the glass. And then JT Schumate, 6'7", 210-pound junior, He's averaging 15.5 points a game, 61-52 from three and 76 from the line. Um, I think it's I think it's Shoemate. Shoemate. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's been their best all-around player. Second leading scorer, 15.5 a game. You mentioned the shooting numbers are spectacular. 
I mean, plus 50% from three, and it's a it's an okay volume. Mm-hmm. You know, not a low uh, volume shooter necessarily. And he's also leading the team in rebounding at 7.8. You know, so this is a guy, I'm not sure if he's nominally a four or the five, um, but either way, he's going to be somebody that's going to pose a challenge. Both of these guys are for Michigan State's bigs because um, although they're much smaller, they both shot the ball well from range. And so that means you're going to have to be aware and you're probably going to have to extend a little bit more than you're used to defensively mm-hmm. at both spots. Uh, and then Cedric Milner, 6'7", Juco transfer. He's averaging 14.5 points a game, 43, 47, and 72. Uh, and he gets <laughs> 7.3 rebounds a game, uh, second on the team. Again, you know, really, really solid numbers. I mean, 47% from three. Uh you know, scoring at a good clip, and he's rebounding well. The, the thing about Shoemate and Milner, it's not even just their six seven; it's that neither one of them is any heavier than two ten. So mm. they're going to be giving up. You know, even when they're playing like against Malik, who's you know close to their size, their height, Malik is stronger than these guys. So that's going to be interesting to me to see how it plays out. I think going along with the general theme with Toledo. These are guys who, if you're if you're Toledo, you're hoping that the offense offsets the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you're expecting that maybe you'll have an advantage with these guys being able to stretch the floor, um, and that that is going to uh, outdo how much you're giving up defensively, especially around the rim. And then off the bench. Uh, Cooper Jacoby, 6'6", 200-pound freshman. Um, he's a little under three points a game, 3.7 rebounds in about 15 minutes. Uh, 29 from the floor, 50 from three, 50 from the line, and fairly limited attempts. Right, and he's the top reserve. Yeah. So, um, you can see they're just not going to their bench very much. He'll play some, but it, it's going to be limited. Uh, and then there's another wing, Elijah Wilson, who gets about 14 minutes a game, 6'5", freshman wing, um, 2.2 points a game, 31, 25, and 0 from the line. Yeah, again, just just kind of buying them some time is, wow. is its primary role. <laughs> this is kind of crazy. And then EJ Farmer, a 6'4", freshman, uh, 5 minutes a game, just under 2 points. And yeah. then uh, – Mihai Kargoana is really the only guy they have that has any sort of size. 6'11", 240-pound freshman from Lithuania. Um, but he's only getting in there for three minutes a game. I, you know, I, I listed him here for, for two reasons. One is, despite the limited minutes, he has actually played in every game. The other is what you just mentioned, the size. If there was going to be a game where he played a little more, this might be it, right? Because mm-hmm. Michigan has got a lot more size to deal with. Uh, you notice the one thing all four of these guys we've mentioned they'll have in common. They're all freshmen. Mm-hmm. All four of them. So it's pretty clear to me that uh, Toledo is going with their experience. It's not like the starting lineup is super experienced either. Um, you've got two JUCO transfers, Rollins is a sophomore, Moss is a redshirt freshman, and then Shoemate is a junior who I believe started his career 
elsewhere. I think he started his career at Walsh College, if I remember correctly. So this is not a tremendously experienced team any way you slice it. And it is pretty remarkable and a, and a tribute to them that they've managed to get off to this kind of start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's <laughs> This will be interesting. Um, it, the first key rod, don't settle. Yeah, um, you know we we've talked about MSU needing to shoot the ball better, and I as as I hammered last night, we're now talking about seven of the last eight halves where they've shot the three, varyingly from good to really really good. So I think you can, and then the team's all the way up to thirty five percent as a group, which if that were where this season ended. You wouldn't be doing cartwheels, but you also wouldn't be talking about it as a weakness. Mm-hmm. That's that's a solid, decent number. Um, I do think this team has the potential to edge that up from here and maybe be like a high 30s team before it's all said and done. But all that said, for as well as they've shot it lately, you can't fall into the trap of overemphasizing trees in this game because – Toledo was so bad defensively inside the arc. In my opinion, you've got to focus getting the ball to the rim. So that means, you know, play some post stuff, but also be looking to penetrate, you know. Look to make things happen with action around the basket as much as you can because I don't know that this team is very capable of stopping. Mm. Uh, And then tempo. Take open threes when they're there. For sure, but yeah. they just can't fall into a trap of settling. Uh, and then tempo, you'd mentioned. I mean, with the and really playing very limited people off the bench, um, they also seem to focus a lot on rebounding. So it may be a little bit more difficult for them to concentrate on getting back, uh, particularly since they send all the guards to the glass. It seems like. Uh, yeah, and they've been, you know, uh, they've been a good offensive rebounding team. I mean, 42nd in the country, we know that that's been important to them, right, getting second shots. Yes. If Michigan State can control, and this is another key as well, but it goes along with tempo, if they can control the defensive glass, that should mean they have a real opportunity to get things done in transition. Uh, that's what I would expect to see. You know, the other thing is, let's just be straight about it. We've talked about this a lot. You know, the, the idea for Michigan State in in tempo is to establish consistent habits because even if you're not getting a ton done with it in terms of points, you are going to exhaust the opponent physically and mentally. Mm. And that's definitely a factor here. Uh, as you as you said, you know, with everybody, all the starters playing more than 30 minutes a game, you would hope that by the time the last 10 minutes come around, they're a little tired and Michigan State could take advantage of it. I, I also, uh, I, I think that that's probably going to happen because I think we've seen that this team's two point guards and everybody else too is establishing running as a habit. They are looking consistently to push tempo. So I've got a lot of faith in them for for now that they're going to actually force Toledo to play faster than they want, to focus more on getting back than they want, et cetera. 
Uh, and then turnovers. Um, and, you know, if you look – when you look down the Michigan State, sort of the metrics so far on Ken Palm, and you look at their offenses, I, I think 60. Right. Uh, the defense is two. But the the turnovers are really like the final key to that puzzle. I mean, if they can just bring that down to middle of the pack, that would just dramatically – raise their scores on offense no no question no question uh Izzo did a uh press conference today after practice it was 15 minutes the first 10 of them were devote were devoted to talking about turnovers and he said that they charted last night's game after watching the film and and this was a consistent finding with what they've seen through the course of this year he says that about two-thirds of their mistakes are ones they would classify as unforced Mm-hmm. which anecdotally seems correct to me from what I've observed and recall. Um, that's the number that's got to come down. Mm-hmm. You know, when you yeah. face teams, look, Louisville, uh, except at the end of the game where they were down by so much and they were scrambling to try to find a way to get back into it, that Louisville team is not a pressure team, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no good excuse for 19 turnovers against that opponent and in that kind of game. Well, there's, there's we're all never an excuse for that many turnovers in any game, really. I think you hit on what's important here. And I, I've heard MSU staff members put it in another way, but it gets to the same point. If they can't control the turnover issue, they are putting a ceiling on how good this team can be. Because mm-hmm. right now, honestly, if they if they don't improve that, I don't know how likely it is that they can improve dramatically from where they are. Could they shoot it a little better than they have? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe be a little better offensive rebounding? Maybe. I'm not sure how much better they can get defensively um, because they're pretty – you know, you mentioned it, number two in the country. They're pretty damn good already. So you have to look at where are the opportunities to get better. And the one that just screams at you, is turnovers because it's the biggest problem and it's also the one that seemingly if you believe that the majority of the mistakes are MSU's fault then that's within your control to a large extent yeah I mean man we must have seen five or six just stepping on the sidelines this year already that you know Gabe Brown doing the shuffle Izzo talked about that in the uh post-practice uh, press conference today um, where he said, you know, part of it is that even though Gabe is left-handed, he kind of starts that move when he's pulling up um, mm-hmm. in transition. He starts it with his right foot, and it's a hard thing to correct. It's a hard thing to change, but, you know, they've told him just slow it down. He had a couple of those last night. The stuff on the sidelines is just maddening, but it's, you know what it's related to, and this is not an excuse, it's just an explanation. It's primarily, I believe, related to the fact that these guys are trying to make sure that they're behind the line and that they're wide enough mm-hmm. uh, to spread the floor the way MSU wants to spread it. But because of where the three-point line is now, they're not necessarily used to that amount of space. The big, I say this because, in part, because the big offenders last night were the freshmen. It was mm-hmm. Aikens Christy. and Christie. Christie did it a couple times. Um, that's 
indicative of guys that are still learning to feel that. Again, not an excuse. They got to stop it. But I think that's why you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. So somehow they've got to they've got to figure it out though. I think the stuff that that really gets me upset as as someone watching it is that that stuff I don't love. But the the problems I really had where I really got irritated by it were the soft passes. In yeah. The, there were way too many of those post entries that just and, – and even not post entries. Sometimes it's passes out top that the pass is soft, the receiver isn't stepping to the ball hard enough. Just soft stuff, and you can't be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, Jay Billis said it last night during the game. It's not a game where you could afford – to be soft, and Michigan State was too soft too often. Yeah. Uh, so the fourth key, rebounding. Yeah, and I, I touched on this already to an extent. My focus for this one is on the defensive side because despite a lack of size, Toledo's a pretty good offensive rebounding team. And MSU occasionally this year it has not been a consistent problem, but occasionally, and, and usually when it's happened, it's been like a bad half, and then they get it corrected. Or they have, like they did against Baylor, they had a pretty good half in the first half and then kind of broke down a bit in the second. Um, but it's been enough. It's been an issue often enough for MSU that it's worth paying attention to. Uh, they, they've got to just close out possessions because um, I, I think with this team, if you limit them to one and done, you're going to be in great shape. It's going to be very difficult for Toledo to win. With I mean, a 35% offensive rebounding rate tells me that's a big contributor to what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and then the fifth key is rotations. I mean, you'd like to think that they should get some playing time for some guys that maybe don't doesn't get as, quite as much playing time, like Brooks, maybe uh, maybe Akins, if they maybe, get out maybe. to a quick lead. I mean, I'm not, I'm not expecting that I would like to see this be a comfortable win. I'm, I'm not expecting it to be an absolute blowout. But I guess what I'm focused on is, you know, there's a few things that to me are still works in progress. One is how are you balancing out Hall and Hauser at the four? Mm-hmm. You know, that's still a work in progress. And I think some of that is also down to playing combinations. So are you trying to still hone it? to the point that maybe you've got Joey out there mostly with um, Marcus as opposed to with Julius Marble because you figure, okay, if he gets blown by, then you've at least got somebody as a backstop behind him, you know, um, and that maybe that's a, a more necessary combination than when Malik is at the four. So those are th- – yeah, and you also have to consider the other end, you know, which combinations are those guys playing better with, you know. Uh, you mentioned Brooks. I think, you know, that was a nice highlight out of last night was here Brooks getting early minutes and, and doing some good things at both ends. Uh, I would I would like to think we're going to continue to see that and that this is a sign that he's starting to assert himself both in practice and hopefully he will in the games and to claim some type of role. That can also factor into the mix at the four because if he can play – even eight minutes a night on the wing, well, then you have less reason to move Malik Hall to any wing minutes, which mm-hmm. might mean you can rejigger the, the minutes distribution at the four, mm-hmm. you know, because Malik can have all his focus there. 
So you see there's some, some domino effects from some of this stuff. But regardless of what it is specifically that you're talking about, I think that Michigan State is still trying – they're getting there, but I think they're still trying to figure out optimally what does the rotation look like in terms of who's in it, who's playing with who, and for how long. And this is a game where you'd, you'd like to see that continue to get honed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, this one's Saturday at 5 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. Um, any final thoughts heading into this one, Rob? Obviously, again, you, you want to win, of course. It's at home. Mm-hmm. It's against the Mac school. Even if it's a decent one, you, you want to win these games. But I think the bigger thing from an MSU perspective, is just playing a game that you're happier with in terms of overall what you're doing. So in this game, that story probably starts first and foremost with the turnovers. Can you minimize them? Toledo is not going to go out and pressure Michigan State. I don't think so. I don't think we'll see a lot of ball pressure. I'd, I'd be kind of surprised by that. So this is another one where it's largely on MSU, Mm -hmm. how big that problem is or isn't. Getting that number down would be one big step toward playing a game you're happy with. You want to keep your jump shooting trending in the right direction, but at the same time, don't fall in love with it. Let's focus on getting the ball in the paint and doing damage there because that's what this team gives up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to make sure the defense stays sharp. I mean, it's been really since Kansas, it's been consistently good. Uh, and and you want to see that continue, of course. So <laughs> that's really where my focus is. Yeah, you, you want to get the win, obviously. But you don't want to get the win and not feel great about the way you played. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that'll uh, do it for this. We'll see everyone after the game on Saturday. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. There are more identity threats than you realize. Even if you monitor your credit, only a little personal info needs to leak out. Like your social security number or password. For you to become a victim. LifeLock alerts you to threats you could miss. If your identity is stolen, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year. Go to LifeLock.com aware.